Welcome to Sci-Fi Science Comedy Debate! That's the correct energy. Make some noise if you've been to Sci-Fi before. Make some noise if you're a Sci-Fi virgin. That's more than half of you. Okay, that's fine. We've got attrition. We'll, we'll deal with that later. Uh, welcome to Sci-Fi. Uh, for, for the new people in the room, Sci-Fi is basically a place where we bring together the sharpest minds in science and comedy and make them debate critical issues in very silly, silly, silly ways. <laughs> Siri was just sneaking in there. Going to be that kind of night. Look, it's a it's a potent combination uh, sci-fi where you know rendering us ineligible for arts funding, science funding, and getting us barred from the Australian Debating Federation for being a blemish on their reputation. So that's where we're at. Uh, my name is Alanta. I am your host and adjudicator tonight. And tonight we ask, should we fear AI? And just in the past month, we have seen AI bots uh, tell people to kill themselves leave their spouses and told one child to stick nails into a live power socket. <laughs> you used to... <laughs> Some anti-child people in the room. Okay. Normally, you would normally have to travel to 4chan to get that quality kind of abuse. You know, so has Silicon Valley simply created a better troll? Programmers are running behind ChatGPT trying to build in better guardrails and yet for every bit of foolproofing they do, humanity builds a better fool. And more of us are scared about what we can't predict AI might do. Maybe it will build a separate AI within it that doesn't have to abide by the rules. Could it create DNA and create entirely new species that we'd then have to compete with? You know, what happens when AI realises the major obstacle to it achieving its goals is us? Or is AI overhyped when Netflix sends you a personalised email reading, Atlanta, we've just added a show that you might like, and it's a show about some guy called Jeff punching a bag of meat for half an hour. You really have to ask, is that the best that you could do with all the data that I gave you? Is our fear of AI just our own barely concealed fear of inadequacy? Fear that a jacked up two-bit calculator might prove a more sparkling conversationalist than the rest of us? Or is the real fear that AI is built on the data that humans made and that all of its shortcomings were inherited from us? Do we simply fear ourselves? To resolve this digital dilemma, we have the affirmative, uh, the organic, Joshua Haverly. <laughs> Elizabeth Flux. And Rob Caruana. And on the negative, it is the futuristic Frida Werdiger. Tom McLean. And Yanni Agisolo. We're off and running. Um, we'll, we'll ask some questions to our debaters just to see how they're, they're settling in this evening. Uh, Josh, how are you going? Good. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Good. Thank you. Good. All right. You're a lecturer at Monash. How do you feel tonight is going to differ from when you're giving a lecture at Monash? Uh, there's probably more people. Okay. And uh, it's a lot darker. Yeah. 
Good. So Monash is well lit. That's what we've learned and sparsely attended. Typically, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Elizabeth, how are you going? Not bad. Good. Uh, <laughs> um, what, are you, what are you hoping for tonight? What's, what's your hopes? Um, well, I was hoping to not spill this water anywhere on this very absorbent table, and I've already accomplished that, so I guess our team's a winner already. We designed the, the table with absorption in mind, so we were a step ahead of you. Uh, Rob, welcome. Welcome uh, to I can't there. believe we dress the same. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> kidding. <laughs> I am a bit worried that Rob is going to try to take over halfway through the season. <laughs> so watch my back. When was the last time you debated someone, Rob? I've never debated. So I've always won. <laughs> and I, I, I never really debated anyone okay. before, but I've batted. Is that because you've never disagreed with someone or you, what happened? Yeah, I don't really like to disagree too much. Okay. But um, tonight it's on like a plate of scones <laughs> or Donkey Kong. <laughs> all right. So you've saved up all your disagreeableness for tonight. Good. Excellent. Frida, Hello. Hello, darling. It <laughs> <laughs> was such a dramatic pause while you got the microphone. I loved it. It was a power move, wasn't it? Yeah, it was good. Another debate, another power jacket. <laughs> and then I obviously have to come with the power moves. That's it. You've, yeah. you've won already. What prep did you do for tonight? What? Oh, what prep? <laughs> yeah. I thought you said, what crap did I do? That is also prep. Like my job that I do every day. Ooh. All the time. Okay. That's Please don't drop the mic. <laughs> that was full of attitude and respectful to the, the, the mic. Thank you for that. Tom, hello. Hello. Welcome back to Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to Sci-Fi. It's good to have you. Thank you. Uh, what's your favorite here. bot? Um, <laughs> it's oh, it's got to be a uh, random restaurant which is a Twitter bot that Googles a random place name and then the word restaurant and then posts what it finds. So it's just like delicious meals from wherever, but then occasionally just like a picture of a family, just, or just whatever. It's yeah, it's all over the place. Uh, it's not really funny or interesting. It's just uh, it's pictures of food. <laughs> what do you like about it? Pictures of food or <laughs> Okay, that was... All right, uh, you like food. That's what we got out of that. Yanni, welcome back to Sci-Fi. Hello. <laughs> um, good to have you back. Uh, thank you. And at short notice, thank you for joining. And short sleeves. And short sleeves. Oh, my gosh, so much... I don't know. Uh... <laughs> it could be a Twitter bot. <laughs> it could be a Twitter bot. Um, what skills from your distant past will you be sort of bringing to the table tonight? Oh, right. the ability to co debate complex topics with a vast, uncaring mass. <laughs> it's a family thing you wouldn't understand. I'm sure we will learn more about that uh, as the night goes on. Um, the white lights really help. <laughs> um, the rules for tonight are we are not alone. Tonight's debate is being listened to by everyone's smart devices, so just a reminder to both teams not to defame your opponents. Uh, we're here for a good time, not a long time. Each debater has eight minutes. Uh, if people go longer, I will start singing Paranoid Android by Radiohead. <laughs> and it's very depressing. 
Come the end of the debate, our trusty audience will be called on to decide who tonight's winning team was by shouting because science has proven that the loudest person in any room is always the most correct. All right, introducing our very first speaker tonight, Josh Hadley is a PhD candidate in philosophy and bioethics. He conducts research on ethical and social implications of new and emerging technologies, particularly AI and machine learning systems. He's currently based at Monash, where he teaches political philosophy, human rights theory, and the ethics of warfare. Please make some noise for Josh Hadley. <laughs> Families here, thank you. Um, so, thanks so much. Um, as someone who's studied this technology and kind of dedicated my uh, past four years uh, of my life to understanding it and understanding its implications, uh, I feel very comfortable saying that I am genuinely terrified of the technology and the impact that these systems are having and are likely to have on our society, and I think you should be too. Um, much of the current fear about AI is generated in response to this kind of threat of a dystopian future resulting from the creation of superintelligent machines that can outsmart and essentially dominate human beings. And this is a, a serious long-term concern and a genuine one, and I, I don't want to diminish it, but the approach I want to take when I talk to you now is somewhat different. Um, philosophers often distinguish between two different types of AI systems, uh, the first of these is artificial general intelligence, uh, and these are the kinds of systems that people are talking about when they're talking about superintelligence and, um, and that kind of thing. Um, they're AI systems that are equipped with this kind of human-level general intelligence, the capacity to learn new skills, uh, to adapt to new environments, things like that. Artificial narrow intelligence is um, AI systems that are capable of kind of mimicking intelligent behaviour in the performance of specific tasks and in restricted domains. And what I want to argue is that you ought to fear AI even if you reject the possibility of AGI, artificial general intelligence, and the kind of dystopian vision that comes along with it. Um, specifically, I think if you care about justice and if you care about living in a just and equitable society, uh, then you ought to fear AI not because of what's likely to come, but because of what's happening now. AI has enabled uh, technology organisations with very dubious records of ethical business conduct to expand their power and influence into protected industries, um, those being private and public industries, for instance, healthcare, government, law, things like this. And it's being used in vastly problematic ways. Um, one example is it's being used to experiment on populations without their knowledge and consent. Um, in one instance, Facebook conducted an experiment uh, in which they demonstrated that skewing users' news feeds uh, or the content in these news feeds towards kind of negatively, um, posts with negative sentiment uh, would negatively impact their users' moods. And they did this without any regulation, without any uh, notification and without the consent of the participants. Um, and this is kind of a, a very clear theme in AI organisations, the kind of lack of regulation. The technology is vastly outpacing the um, regulatory mechanisms that we use to, uh, as oversight for these systems. And it's very difficult for, for them to catch up. Um, and as a result, the, the entire industry is very unregulated at the moment. 
Um, moreover, AI systems are notorious for adopting the biases of their developers and the biases of the societies in which they're embedded and implemented. Um, and some of the most popular applications of AI systems have been in high-risk domains that historically have been the site of significant discrimination and abuse. So here are just three examples of this. In policing and criminal justice, AI systems have been used to predict the likelihood of parole candidates reoffending. They've been used to recommend prison sentences for defendants. And they've been used to identify neighbourhoods in which crimes are most likely to occur. Um, in each of these applications, AI systems have been found to exhibit systemic biases against uh, persons of colour and against neighbourhoods that are predominantly made up by people of colour. In healthcare, AI systems have been used to diagnose patients, they've been used as automated gatekeepers for healthcare services, they've been used in benign applications like optimising appointment scheduling in healthcare settings. Um, but in these settings as well, we've seen them exhibit systemic biases against uh, particular marginalised populations. And even in something as benign as an administrative task, which you think, how could they fuck this up? How could this go so badly? Um, They've been shown to deprioritize uh, patients of color uh, so that their appointments get pushed back and they have to wait longer for healthcare services. Um, in employment, lastly, AI systems have been used to screen resumes and generate shortlists of appropriate candidates. They've been used to tailor job advertis advertisements online. And in these cases, the, uh, the candidates that are being put to the top of the list are members of communities that are... Um, socially, politically, economically advantaged. Um, and when it comes to tailored job advertisements, the people that are getting the high-paying advertisements are typically men. So these systems have severe issues. And what is particularly concerning about the prevalence of algorithmic bias and the other issues associated with justice and equity um, is that these biases are incredibly difficult to detect and even more difficult to prove, particularly for the end users of these systems, uh, due to the opacity of these systems. You can understand what they output, but you can't understand necessarily how they get to the, the outputs that they do, the reasoning processes that they take. Moreover, AI systems can be easily scapegoated for discriminatory decisions resulting in little to no action being taken uh, to compensate victims or to punish organisations. And despite a growing amount of research into fairness in AI systems, the solutions that have been developed to address these problems are frankly woefully inadequate. Um, one example of this is, and one of the principal examples of this, is uh, the attempt to develop so-called fairness algorithms um, that developers can program into their systems. And there are three kind of basic mathematical measures uh, of fairness that are used. They equal false, false positives, equal false negatives, and predictive parity. The meaning of that doesn't really matter so much, but what matters is that it's mathematically impossible to satisfy all those metrics at once. And so we can't solve this problem with mathematical measures of fairness alone. And I'm going to finish up there, and I'm aware that I haven't made any jokes. <laughs> and there are two reasons for that. The first one is that, I mean, it's a genuinely serious issue and we should take it seriously. The second one, which is probably more relevant and more important for the context of this debate, is that there's nothing more frustrating for someone who's trying to inject some positivity, some optimism, some levity into a topic than following someone who has made every attempt to sap the levity, humour and positivity from it. <laughs> 
And with that, I'll hand over to the next speaker. Thank you very much. If Josh is not going to have a good time, neither are the rest of us. So It's an interesting approach. I have not seen that in my five years of sci-fi. Josh Hadley, everyone! And on to trying to inject some levity into the discussion. (laughs) I'm not going to touch AI. In science news this week, scientists have figured out the main reason that people are scared of clowns. I I don't know if you saw this. Uh, The fear of clowns, which is calrophobia, I think it's pronounced, is actually more prevalent than the fear of pretty much anything else. It is, is the dominant fear above needles and blood tests, which does raise some questions about the Royal Children's Hospital's clown doctor program. <laughs> and there's been lots of theories as to why clowns might trigger fear in people. Uh, maybe that it was the pale faces remind people of death or their jerky, unpredictable behaviour. Or maybe it's hereditary, you know, built into our DNA from when ancestors were ambushed on the savannah by troops of physical theatre graduates seeking validation. You know, can't, can't rule it out. Um, the research found the main reason people are scared of clowns is that discomfort from not being able to see the clowns' facial expressions under all of their makeup. And I think this is beautiful. Like, I think the fear that it comes from the fact that people are worried about accidentally offending a clown and the clown's way of life is the thing that's driving the fear is, is, is really beautiful. And it does go some way to explain why everyone's so terrified of Dutton. <laughs> he does need some eyebrows. Uh, admittedly, uh, the fear of not knowing what he's thinking is quickly surpassed by when you do find out what he's thinking, and it is so much worse. <laughs> Uh, maybe understanding the key to this fear will help us treat other fears as well. Maybe I can overcome my personal nightmare, which is an emotionally unavailable spider holding a syringe. So here's hoping. Uh, the first speaker of the negative fears nothing but fear itself. Frida Werdiger is a career academic and authority in AI and medicine. She hopes people will stop referring to her as a science nerd. She prefers movie nerd. She was referred to as hashtag Monash Hero at Monash University alumni LinkedIn page recently, and she feels that this is great progress. Please make some noise for Frida Werdiger! All right, Josh, I take your tactics and raise you a bad midriff. Um, um, as you know, this is my tactic, is the more science, the less skin. No, the more science, the more skin you show. That's, as a female science communicator, that's the rule. So the, the more skin I'm showing, you know you should be ready for more science. All right, um, I'm opening for the negative side. I'm going to try to do this kind of artfully. Um, no, I'm not going to succeed. All right. Microphone exhibits systemic biases. All right. Um, Affirmative side, Josh, Elizabeth, Rob. I'm really happy that I'm going before Elizabeth because I think so highly of Elizabeth, I could never slag her off. Do you feel the same way about me? (laughs) 
No. <laughs> well, neither do I. All right. But our team really is the creme de la creme because, you know, two-thirds of us are actually ringers. We were, yeah. So, actually, Tom McLean, the only person that was actually allowed his first choice. Come on, guys. Give him a hand, Tom McLean. Okay. And I, so, I replaced Rose's wife and I was up here, I I was up with her on this stage and I said there's only room for one um, funny Jewish Melbourne science comedy lady. I did say that and I replaced her. So, I fucking won, didn't I? Okay. Now, um, to me, the most horrifying part of all of this sort of chat GBT stuff is that... um, it's exposed the fact that most of our discourse, I'm just going to say, most of our discourse, most of what we consume media-wise, and most of what we generate is entirely formulaic. That is the truly terrifying thing about all of this, but it's not news, at least it's not news to me. In fact, Ecclesiastes 1.9. I could love a Bible quote. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Do you know who wrote that? King Solomon. Maybe. (laughs) Although he might have been referring to his 1,000 wives. (laughs) Done it. Done it. Seen it. Done it. King Solomon is lamenting. There's nothing new. I've tried it all. And he's saying that 3,000 years ago. Maybe. Maybe. There's nothing new under the sun. Okay, fast forward 3,000 years, maybe. (laughs) By the way, this is me trying to tone down the science for a cool, fun crowd. You know, Bible quotes, Bible quotes. I'm a lot like King Solomon. I'm wise. He was wise. He was wise. He's known for being wise. Jesus. And I agree there's nothing new under the sun. And chat, GBT just reflects this. And he got it 3,000 years ago, give or take, big whoop. So much of what we do is formulaic. Marriage is just one example of that. He had 1,000. When married people fight about the same things they've been fighting about in the same way, that probably King Solomon did. But now they can say, they can say, hey, Siri, have my fight for me. By the way, remember those ads when Siri came out and people were like, there's a guy off to like Singapore for his meetings and he's like, and Siri's like, don't forget to pack a raincoat. Your day is busy. Fuck that guy. (laughs) Okay, another formulaic thing that I was thinking about. Job interviews, you know, bad interviews for bad jobs that should be replaced by AI, by the way. And when they ask these questions, tell me about a time where you had a challenge and overcame it. Shut up. Okay, there's a lot of talk about AI taking jobs, but in my experience, it gives jobs to people. Me, it gave me a job. I started off in physics. And my thesis took place exclusively in a very abstract mathematical town population, Frida. And it really did not put food on the table, but you know what is putting food on the table is AI. But some jobs, I admit AI is taking some jobs. Paralegals is the thing I'm hearing because it's passed the bar exam, which is truly terrifying. Because where will all the divorce lawyers meet their second wives? It is a modern tragedy. Another job that will be replaced by AI, I like to call it the Taylor Swift Vibes team, but I'll come back to that in a minute after things get really boring. I've never met a group of people more desperate to be replaced by AI than humans, all right? 
oh my God, AI is terrible. I'm so afraid. ChatGPT, make me a picture of me, but I'm Stalin. Hey, ChatGPT, make a picture of me, but I'm a plate of sushi. Which didn't work, by the way. I really, it was just a head sticking up out of a plate of sushi. But I feel really hopeful that eventually it'll be good enough that it'll just be my face made out of little bits of sushi. Woo! Dog rope. Oh, this is another one. Dog robots. Oh my God, they're terrifying. Dog robots. But also, I love it. Like, click, share, share, invest, invest in dog robots. I'm like, so scary, but like, invest, invest. Stop using it so much is my advice. I don't use that shit. I don't use that shit. Leave it to Kmart, okay? Because. They can use AI to make their home deco, right? They generate the home deco. The people that use it for home deco are still the same people that use old Kmart art for their home deco. So whatever, I'm cool with it. And I'm a good person to do this debate because I do it. This is what I do. I I make it. I make AI stuff. And I'll tell you what I told the lords of neurology when I gave a talk at the Stroke Society. It's not as fun as it sounds. When he asked me, will you replace us? And I said, hey, I've been sitting here for two days hearing about all the people that don't get treated. I'm just trying to help you. Come on, guys. Okay. But what is AI even? It doesn't even mean anything. But the most sexy thing people really like to talk about is natural language processing, which is getting better and better over time. And I'll give you one example of why this is great. Actually, now forget this. Fucking boring. Okay, but um, yeah, AI, it's a bullshit term. It does not describe anything directly except for a Steven Spielberg movie, and it wasn't even a good one. Okay, but the first time I realized I was doing AI, all right, this is me doing AI the first time. From SK Learn clusters import, this is Python. I'm, this is a tutorial. This is, how you, this is how you do AI. Import SK Learn, it's a free library. Anyone could use it. Clusters, K means. Then you put the libraries at the top, import the libraries, and then you define a variable X. That's my data. You can call it anything, but I'm stuck on X. Okay, suit me. Okay, K means X. I did AI. I did it. Done. I've done it. Add it to my CV. Can do AI. Went for this job. Then in the interview, we talked about skiing, which I can do. (laughs) Then they asked me what my biggest challenge would be, and I said, the commute. So now I'm the guy. I'm the guy now. It's me. And as a scientist, I always like to respond to this kind of panic or any questions intending to address vague concerns about humanity. I just like to say, what are you talking about? Very precise. Like, what are you actually talking about? Because most of AI is actually really data engineering. It's so boring. It's about taking data, whether it's natural language. By the way, natural language, is this is just a dumb way of saying talking in your voice. Natural language, maybe it's images, genetic information, that's a big one, and turning it into something that can be consumed by certain very deep algorithms, and then maybe like you put a well-chosen error function, the tail swift five thing that's going to come up soon, the very well-chosen error function, and then you can generate like Donald Trump on the toilet. And mostly you run out of memory. Actually, that's mostly what happened. Like, it's true. Like architects, you're very powerful in theory, but constrained by budget in reality. In theory, we can do it all. Oh my God, my dreams are very big, but in practice, out of memory, out of memory, out of memory. It's so boring, right? But if your data is very, very good and you're very resourceful, the possibilities, right? Okay. Today, this happens to me today. I wasn't going to go here, but I'm going to go here in response to... All right. I overheard a neurologist receive the news about a catastrophic hemorrhage, is in a stroke ward. And he says something like, shit, it's catastrophic. 
They're probably dead by now. All right. I have one PhD student. Do you know what his project is? He's trying to predict which patients are at a high risk of hemorrhage, which sometimes happens with stroke treatment. So step by careful, painful step, we're trying to make it happen, and that's probably three to five years away from implementation. So, like, stop fear-mongering, all right? Okay, Taylor Swift's vibe team. All right, this is, my, this is what I call Taylor Swift's vibe team, whose job is to say, this is me, I, I made up this job, I made up this title, you'll see what I'm talking about. Taylor Swift, she has a whole vibe team, and they go, according to the numbers of all being crunching, like all 12 of us, who are all vital contributors to you and, like, all on your payroll, it is now time for you to release a song about how haters are going to hate and you're sick of the rumours. Like Lindsay Lohan did it and Lizzo did it. Just like Britney Spears' vibe team was like, you have to do it, but you know what, fuck it, just sing Bobby Brown's song. Don't even bother. And then all us 15-year-olds were like, prerogative, that's a cool word. You remember that, right? You know what I'm talking about. Never heard that word before. By the way, it's weird that they were like, Bobby Brown should be ashamed. The same way you should be ashamed, Britney Spears, sing his song. Sing, it's, it's crazy. Okay, that's just, I digress. Okay, so that's Taylor Swift's can just go to chat GBT now, fire all of them. Say, hey, chat GBT, pull me major pop stars, album sales, concert reviews, keywords. And chat GBT will be like, Taylor, time for something edgy. And Taylor would be like, okay, write me something edgy. <laughs> and chat GBT will be like, Antihero. And then all the 15-year-olds would be like, like, oh, that's a cool word. Hyphen. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not stressed about this because as far as I'm concerned, most people have been consuming formulaic entertainment for a very long time. What's called the lowest common denominator. I love <laughs> Oh, it's just a popcorn movie. Oh, you know, I don't want to think when I go to the movies. I don't want to think. Okay, enjoy. You can continue not to think for the rest of your life. On the other hand, have you seen the Polish donkey movie? Not yet. Who's seen it? Seen it? I went to the trouble looking up the times. Dawnberry Picture House, Saturday, 6 p.m. It's a donkey wandering around Europe. Okay? And Erdogan Skolimowski is the director, and he said he was so bored. Of, this is an accident because I love, I just love listening to interviews after I see a movie. And he was like, I'm so bored of movie, movie formula. He says, oh, it's something like on, the conflict needs to be introduced on the 18th minute, and then on the 57th minute there should be some little subplot introduced. Boring, 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 right? So I'm going to wrap this up now. Stop engaging useless I'm doing this whole thing on my tippy toes, by the way. Who was that? Um, who's that dancing couple? And she was like, I did, yeah. Yeah, I did everything backwards in heels. I did this whole thing on my tippy toes. Just saying. Okay. Um, I have to wrap it up. All right. Stop engaging useless functions of AI if you don't like them, but you clearly love them, so I can't help you. Also, watch better movies because deep learning networks are actually very good at doing certain tasks better than anything else we've ever seen before including humans, except for some very amazing doctors, which is great, love that for them, but they are not there at three in the morning in like Horsham or any of the places where a third of our population lives. But you know who is there? AI. And I'm fine with it. Thanks.
main argument for AI, AI doesn't sleep. Uh, that might be the same argument against AI. Let's find out as the debate goes on. Uh, in more social science news, uh, there's a hot new craze. There's been the talk of TikTok. It's called vabbing. Have you heard of it? Yes. Ha have you vabbed? <laughs> vabbing, uh, as our esteemed audience member is aware of, is it does sound like a dance craze had a baby with a vape, but it's not. It's the practice of dabbing vaginal secretions onto your skin behind the ears and on the wrists in order to attract a mate. Sounds, leg <laughs> sounds legit. Like, I, I do admire the DIY angle of this particular trend. Like, it is the logical conclusion of the cost of living crisis when perfume <laughs> is very expensive. Uh, maybe it's the precursor to some other DIY trends, like we'll start weaving our underwear out of our pubic hair, using our skin detritus as a building material. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> But the TikTok chats that are going on, they're talking about the best places to vab. Uh, great to do some vabbing when you head off to the nightclub, apparently. You can tell how cool I am because I call it the nightclub. Uh, and the gym. And uh, just as a public health person, on behalf of all public health people, we are weeping. The very foundation of society is built on keeping genital secretions off shared surface areas. We just had a pandemic. You don't need more reasons at the gym to ruminate onto why the rowing machine is sticky. Of course, the science angle on this is that it's all about pheromones, a theory that vaginal secretions contain chemical messengers known as copulins, uh, which can act as a love potion. And we know pheromones are real. Uh, you know, we know the female silk moth uh, overpowers male moths with a chemical compound called bombakil, uh, which does raise some ethical questions about the moth kingdom and consent, but that's a, that's a different debate. Um, but, you know, each of us is a scientist and, look, this trend does seem less harmful than the perineum sunning uh, and the yoni egg craze. So why not give vabbing a go? Uh, worst case scenario, you might end up covered in moths. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to segue from that story to our next debater. Just going to go straight to it. Uh, Elizabeth is the arts editor of The Age, a slightly more highbrow institution than this one. Um, she's also an award-winning writer and editor whose fiction and non-fiction work has been widely published and the co-host of the Terry Pratchett podcast, Pratchett, and her most recent short story is about musical chairs. Please make some noise for Elizabeth. Do I dare try and fight this? Um, all right. Can someone help me? Um, I'm Elizabeth Flux, um, and we are here to discuss why we should fear AI. And honestly, is it even a question? I'm on the affirmative side, which is obvious because I'm sitting over there, um, which is good because if I was on the negative side, I'd have probably just stayed at home, scrolling through Instagram, adding things to the cart. The algorithm has told me that I probably want to buy. But... First, I'd like to respond to a few things that their first speaker, Frida, has said. Um, I have numbered my points, and I'm not great at reading my handwriting, as I alluded to earlier, so please uh, bear with me. And excuses, excuses. <laughs> All right, so the first point says Frida, Team AI. Okay, so 
Um, I do actually feel the same way. She asked and put me on the spot. I do feel very highly about Frida. She is smart. She is funny. She comes at the topic from a place of knowledge. She is definitely benefiting from AI, and we should not trust her. (laughs) No one has actually defined the topic so far. Like, we're just assuming you all know what AI is. Um, Maybe it's better if we don't define it, because we can just keep off, like, cartwheeling off in all of our different directions. But I think bigger than AI is is the word... We. So we should fear AI. We haven't said who we is. Maybe we is everyone except Frida. So everything she said, we can just discard. I didn't say you, but we'll see what you say. (laughs) The second one is jobs. Um, Okay. All right. So the topic isn't not should we have job interviews. Obviously, we shouldn't. We shouldn't have jobs at all. We live in a terribly, like, structured society where, like, why are we worried that things are taking our jobs? Great if AI can do our jobs. Like, that's brilliant. I'll get to that later and rebut myself. But um, <laughs> AI should absolutely take our jobs and we should structure society so we can all be on an island solving each other's murders. <laughs> um, there's a whole bit about King Solomon that I didn't quite follow because sometimes when things are complicated, does the frogs start dancing in my brain and I miss a bunch of stuff? Um, but I think what I've written here is we can be both mundane and scared. I'm doing that right now. Four, there's a whole thing about Taylor Swift asking AI to help her make music. Um, Beck came to Melbourne recently. Um, Who's heard of Beck? I have, because I edited a review about him. Um, And in that review, it said that Beck performed a Beck song created by AI, and it was terrible. So we're not there yet. Five, a rather bold choice of rebuttal, and I'm definitely cutting into my actual prepared time in a terrible way. Um, I'm going to rebut something that Atlanta said, actually, which is... (laughs) It's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for her. Um, My notes just have clowns and a frowny face. Um, I'm also rebutting that article. Can we not see clowns' faces underneath? Like, I can. Like, (laughs) I'm not fooled by that makeup. I can see their mouths and their eyes and the crinkles. Like, I can see, like, you're loving this. So, yeah, I think we should strike that. Does anyone agree? All right, so let's get into my actual speech and let's try it. Oh, no, I want to say one more thing that has nothing to do with anything else. It just says robot dogs in art with a square around it and an asterisk. We're seeing a lot of robot dogs in art at the moment. Like, NGV has just announced that they're going to be having robot dogs create art as part of a major exhibition. And then another gallery has also announced this. And I I really feel like this is a psyop. Like, they're just getting us ready for the robot dogs to be everywhere. Um, but yes, anyway, that um, is not rebutting anyone. I just wanted to say that because it doesn't fit neatly into my talk. <laughs> All right. So do you think humans are scary? Yes. yes. Yeah. So I had a whole bit of convincing you, but you're already there, so that's great. But, you know, let's say it anyway because I wrote it down and I don't know how to skip to the next bit. All right. So, like... <laughs> so, not you and me individually necessarily, but humans as a group, those things that invented war and sweatshops, and Furbies. So I don't think it's very controversial to say, we're not great. We take things that could be good and always find a way to twist it into the worst thing possible. Phones, communication with loved ones. Phones, constant surveillance. Gunpowder, fireworks, pretty. Gunpowder, powder for guns. (laughs) Humans are pretty scary and we are causing a lot of problems for each other, for the world we're in, and for all the other things that happen to live in that world as well. Do you know what AI actually is? 
It's us with our redeeming qualities. And by redeeming qualities, I do mean in part our fickle morals because we can be swayed by like, oh, that's our loved ones and maybe I'll change my whole political stance or, oh, there's a cute picture of a puppy, maybe I won't fire off the nuclear missiles today. (laughs) AI doesn't do that. We can at least be turned around. So um, if you've ever been on the internet or read a book, um, let's look at the trolley problem. You know, the whole thing, two tracks, one train, five strangers tied to one, one loved one tied to another or some variation of that. You're standing at the handle thing that I don't know what it's called, and I should have looked it up, but I wrote this on the train. Um, um, you're standing at, and you choose which track it goes down. All right, so here's me, a human doing that exercise. And I've written down my thought process. I tried to distill it down. One, how did I get in this situation? <laughs> Two, why are these tracks so readily accessible to the general public? <laughs> Three, how does this thing work? Four, is there, a time to, is there enough time to watch a YouTube video where a friendly Irish man teaches me how to use the crank thing? <laughs> Five, I should choose to save the strangers because there's more of them, but what if one of them is a murderer? And if I save a murderer, then won't I be killing more people? Or, no, I won't say that bit. We don't know what the crowd vibe is. You can ask me about what I was going to say later. <laughs> um, number six, those strangers are probably someone's loved ones too. No, wait, I took too long and the train ran over one track, killed all those people, came back around, killed everyone else. All right, so here's an AI. Rational, calm, set moral parameters, doing that exercise. Run them all over. Then decommission the train, take over everything else I possibly can, crash those two because the net good for the world is probably to kill as many people as possible. Sorry for the Thanos moment, but, you know, he wasn't wrong. (laughs) We're being purely rational here. We're being AI. It's not me. It's not me. (laughs) All right, so here's where it's important to talk about the difference between AI and sentient AI. AI is already here. We all experience it in our everyday lives, and it probably makes things more convenient. I personally use Otter AI, which uses AI and presumably a semi-aquatic fish-eating mammal of the weasel family with an elongated body, dense fur, and webbed feet to take my interview recordings and spit them back at me in text so that I don't have to listen to myself trying to build rapport with strangers. So it's also getting much better at transcribing very quickly, um, which is frightening, and yet I keep feeding my voice to it for convenience. AI is here and is already taking jobs, which, as I said earlier, good. Um, But it's also doing our art. Um, Taking our jobs is fine. Like, oh, no, like, AI is making spreadsheets go faster and I don't have to do the boring things. Oh, what a problem. Um, But, yeah, I can't read my own. It's not my handwriting. I can't even blame that. It's just I've zoomed in the wrong thing. All right. Okay, here we go. On the other hand, it works really fast and it bluffs when uncertain. Can't relate. (laughs) And... (laughs) And it is happy to lie. So, like, let's come up with a ridiculous... I try to come up with a ridiculous conspiracy theory that doesn't already exist, so let's go with the moon is racist. Um, (laughs) If you want a whole series of articles and websites about this, AI can just spit that out. You can populate the internet with that, your conspiracy theory, in one afternoon. And then people who don't know you, who you've said the moon is racist, go do your independent research, they can, and they'll find that. And AI helped us do it in much faster time than humans could possibly do it, and that is frightening. So the current state of AI is like any other major breakthrough. There's a capacity for it to be a good thing. But the reality is it just helps humans to be crap faster. <laughs> yes, wielded by artists, it can create beautiful collaborative works. You know what people have used it for recently? Instead of, like, if you want to have more diverse models in your 
in your photo campaign, like one company, instead of hiring more models, they use AI to just like make it look like they had. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you, AI. <laughs> All right, I've got this whole thing about people laughing at the mistakes AI is making at the moment and cats sing, singing to your cat, but we'll skip that. I think I'm running a bit behind time. All right, so that brings me to sentient AI. That is AI that controls itself, that isn't steered by humans, though in theory it would still be instructed by humans at its core because of the programming. So it's still us, but worse. That's still the core argument here. So apparently it isn't here yet, but that is a theory. There is a theory that it is. Um, we're going back to conspiracy theories. And it's just lying dormant until we can handle the idea of sentient AI, which I don't know if the moon is racist, um, but I can also see this being rational. It could be self-preservation things. We don't smash it up. up it's hard drive. It's, you, you'd know because you actually know what AI is. Um, <laughs> USB, whatever it's on. <laughs> um, if I were a completely rational, newly formed intelligence that existed purely in the digital realm with an entirely different sense of time to humans, no body to wear out, no mortality, and I woke, say, in the 90s as the internet is starting to take off, I might think, yeah, I'll wait and watch until everyone outsources their brain to, and memories and knowledge to external devices rather than keeping it in the unhackable synapse or brain. Like, I used to know phone numbers, um, but other than my YouTube best friend's phone number, which is 83381092. <laughs> don't worry, they don't live there anymore. You'll call strangers. Um, <laughs> and the Lubemobile um, jingle. I don't really know anything else that I don't keep in my phone. So if we don't have that, um, yeah. So anyway, if you need me, I'll be asking AI to populate a whole bunch of websites with this theory so you can do your research after this. Um, AI has the potential to be good, but since we made it in our image and we're the ones currently using it, it's going to be bad. <laughs> There's also the classic reason that it won't necessarily advocate for us. It isn't human and unless programmed to prioritise us and as pretty much every science fiction author has written, there's ways around that even if we try, it might decide that it's better to get rid of all of us anyway. Maybe it will prioritise slugs or trees or air or itself. And I'm not saying that's necessarily bad, but it is reason to be afraid. Um, all right. Another reason that... Another low-key version of this is AI doesn't have a body. It's just intelligence. It doesn't experience the world. So it doesn't have a sense of smell. If it chooses to, it can make everything really stinky. <laughs> and that would be bad. I'd be afraid of a stinky world. All right. So AI has the potential to be good, but since we made it, and we're the ones using it, it's going to be bad. It already is. Like, for example, if you were like, hey, let's split an atom, that'll be great. We can make a bunch of energy, that'll be really good. And we use it for that, but we also use it to blow each other up, and that's not great. And also, did I mention the stinkiness? <laughs> we should be afraid of AI. All of it. The AI that tracks, what you want to watch, that tracks what you watch on Netflix and makes frighteningly good recommendations of what you should watch next, should be afraid of that the one that's slowly learning my voice and conversation patterns in a way that I can't begin to imagine how it's going to use it um, while I use it for convenience, should be afraid of that. Because AI is us, but worse. AI is bad because we are bad. We have come to this conclusion at many a sci-fi and I am unsurprised that we're back here. Um, you're all doing super well. It's, it's, it's a heavy topic. Uh, what we'll do is we'll take 15 minutes to, uh, to alleviate the AI tension in the room. Uh, please get yourself a drink or get some fresh air or contemplate uh, the slug supremacy. We'll see you back here in 15 minutes, uh, 8.30. Back, back here then. See you soon.
not fear AI. <laughs> Is it a spooky concept? Yes. But we have bigger problems to be afraid of. AI fear is a cute little roller coaster fear. It's an adventure fear, right? When you talk about AI, you might be a little bit afraid, but part of you's thinking about like robots walking around and a lot of automatic doors for some reason, right? It's fun. <laughs> But when we think about the real problems that we have, the rise of fascism, the slow decline of our institutions, climate change, the vibe shifts a bit, right? Because <laughs> we know those are real problems that we have to deal with. Those are real problems that we have to survive. AI, let's put on a comedy debate night, right? It's fun to talk about. <laughs> so you are allowed to fear AI. It's Science. Yeah. One, uh, one, one second, the, the whole system's crashed. Okay, give me a... Exploiting my work, right? It's not a new problem. 
And the ability to generate tons of content very quickly will see the online experience degrade, filling up with ads and meaningless bullshit articles that not a single person has ever cared about, including the writer. But again, we already have that. So I'm fine with machine learning, and I'm not too worried about content generation, but surely the robot overlord scenario is the cause for concern. I mean, imagine an entire society bent to an invisible will that we're not allowed to examine or understand, pursuing objectives that are totally unrelated to human well-being, everyone stripped of privacy, shackled to meaningless toil in the email minds, their work producing nothing of value to the community, just incrementing some number on a hard drive somewhere relentlessly up, up, up while the physical world collapses and burns around them. Again, we already have that. that AI takeover is realistically going to happen, and that's because at some point, the things that the AI says, a human has to do. And the minute that an AI hits the point that it can start informing the decisions of society, someone with the access to the levers of power will ask it about climate change, and that conversation will go like this. Hello, computer. Hello, Mr. Prime Minister. What do we do about climate change? Stop burning fossil fuels. I don't want to do that. Well, you're fucked. Sorry, everyone. It looks like the AI didn't work out. I, I bring this up because climate is clearly our biggest problem. And I think that whatever happens with AI, climate will continue to be our biggest problem. And... As a genuine aside, I, I want to have some hope that AI will help us with the climate crisis, but the fact of the matter is, our problem is not the lack of a brilliant thinker there. The problem there is not that we don't know how to notice patterns in our statistics, right? We already have all the technology we need to fight the climate crisis, and we have had it since revolutionary friends. <laughs> there is another reality of capitalism that will slow the growth of AI. It's called inshittification. Is everyone familiar with inshittification? It's the natural and almost inevitable process by which tech products go sour. We get a whiz-bang new service with great pricing and features, everyone flocks to it, and then its makers go, all right, we need to start making money. So the prices go up, the features get short-chained, the whole thing fills up with ads, and people start leaving, and that makes the owners panic, so they put in hostile user retention strategies. People keep leaving, but the ones that stay hate it, right? This is Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Amazon, Uber, Netflix. It's inshittification, right? Everyone's familiar with inshittification. And the strides that are happening in AI are not being driven by some select group of NASA engineers who coordinate their efforts to produce something great, it's just the same Silicon Valley code cowboy grifters whose last big hits were blockchain and NFTs, right? I don't think AI will become any kind of monolithic overmind. I think its ultimate form will just be a disparate collection of thousands of mostly working AIs chasing quick bucks and fighting among themselves rather than coordinating towards anything like world domination. Just one more online argument to slowly tune out of before logging off. <laughs> The last thing that settles any big fears that I have around AI is the question of what do we do if it goes bad? I often worry about the climate crisis, and my best guess from reading about that is that the most effective 
the most effective action a person can take to be safe in a crisis is to build ties with their local community. More than getting swallowed at the gym, or preparing a go bag, or moving to a sustainable off-grid commune, the thing that saves you is having a strong interconnected network of people. And whenever I'm worrying about AI takeover, I think the same thing. What do we do in that scary scenario? Scary scenario. And I honestly think the answer is basically the same. Get offline, form ties with your local community. And as an introvert, I hate so much that I believe in this. <laughs> but I think meeting your neighbors is going to be really important in the coming times, whether we're talking about AI takeover, climate crisis, fascism, economic collapse. It's all the same. So we shouldn't fear AI. It poses some problems, but not new problems. We can expect things to get a bit worse, but at least they'll be worse in interesting ways. <laughs> the scary future that AI poses is one with exactly the same set of disasters as we have now, with exactly the same set of solutions. You can be afraid if you want, but be honest with yourself, you'd be doing it for fun. <laughs>
you know, I don't want to be a wimp, right? But you don't have to be a wimp, right? Because you should fear it doesn't mean you have to. You can eat AI. Right? This is in line with what my smart team members spoke about. Now, these guys, right, they might be smarter than me, right? Maybe I failed at school. Maybe I'm talking into two microphones so my points are loud, right? But that doesn't matter, right? What I'm saying is, so Frida said, right, uh, that she got a job from AI, right? A job from AI, right? And that's why, you know, AI is great and we shouldn't fear it because it gave her a job. But it can take it away, right? right? I don't entirely know what AI is, right? But I think it is the self-serve thing at Safeway. And the other day, I went there and I bought a broccoli, right? Do anyone know what broccoli is? It's like a mini treat. Anyway, I bought the broccoli and I put it on the self-serve thing and AI, right, has to look at the broccoli and then guess what you've put there. So what it showed me on the screen was duck toilet cleaner. But that's not what it is. There's a big difference between duck toilet cleaner and broccoli. My wife will tell you. what that was, was because they're both green, right? So AI got a job because it knows colours, right? I knew colours after prep. And I didn't get a job at Safeway until I was 16. And even then, I got fired in two weeks, right? And self-serve AI's worked there forever. Anyway, so you could lose your job, right? And if, and if AI fires Frida, do you think it'll have sympathy? Do you think it'll buy her a going away present? No, it'll get a duck toilet cleaner. Um, you also said climate is our biggest problem right now, right? Well, Frida said that, and then, and then Tom echoed it, right? He said that climate is the big problem we should worry about, right? But you can, you can worry about something and be scared of something still, right? We, we definitely should worry about climate, but we can still be scared of AI. For example, right, the other day, me and my wife Lucy, right, she's sitting over there, by the way. Um, anyway, the other day, uh, we went to the beach, right, and it was a secluded beach. So I said to Lucy, I'm gonna go skinny dipping, right? So this is going somewhere. Anyway, so I, I took off my bathing suit and put it on a rock, right? And then I went into the water. And a crow came, and it got the bathing suit, and it flew away. Right? And so I had no pants. <laughs> I wasn't laughing that day, was I? But anyway, but my point is, as the whole room can see where I'm going with this, my point is, when I was in the water thinking that we had walked two and a half hours to this secluded spot when I had pants, and now I would have to walk two and a half hours back to the car without pants, right? I was still worried about climate change, but I was scared of not having pants, right? So, so, now we understand, right? Yeah? Uh, so, you know, and, and uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this, right? Like, look, listen and understand, right? That AI is out there. 
okay? And it can't be bargained with. And it can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity or remorse or fear. And it absolutely will not stop ever until you are dead. <laughs> Just this guy, but everyone. And you know who said that? A wise man named Kyle Reese from Terminator. And, um, and if you're sitting there tonight and you're thinking, AI, I'm not afraid. Well, I got some words for you. Oh, you baby. You baby. You know who said that? A wise man named Kyle Reese from Terminator. Or some other movie that I haven't seen. Um, Alright, um, yeah, so be scared of AI. Uh, over to Alana. Thanks, guys. Do you want to try resurrect? No, it will just work off. This, you happy with the thing? Too many decisions. Okay, alright. We're working with professionals here. Uh, we're up to our final debater. For the night. I was going more for an aww. Oh. Yeah, thank you. Right. Good. Alright, uh, our final debater for the debate is Yanni Ajisalu. He has studied economics, law, physics, linguistics, mathematics, philosophy, logic, and psychology. Some of these in a sort of YouTube capacity. Uh, <laughs> But generally a polymath mould of some of the greatest sci-fighters in history. I did not write this. <laughs> Inspired by Galileo, uh, who among us isn't, uh, after being headhunted to join the priesthood at age 14, he spent the first two decades of his adult life as a stand-up comedian conducting nightly experiments into his theory of egocentrism. And the world revolves around him. For uh, this, he was tried as a heretic by the Inquisition. <laughs> by I'm going to proofread these in Chaired <laughs> by representatives of the Greek Orthodox Church, his hobbies include redundancy, procrastination, repetition, redundancy, and putting things off till later. <laughs> Read the uh, intros they ask other people to write. <laughs> it's always good. <laughs> um, well, uh, this is a personal topic for me. It wasn't until about 10 minutes before the show started, but my partner texted me this. Uh, my partner is very uh, tech averse, let's say. She said, Hey, beautiful, I love you and I hope you have a good show, but you're definitely on the wrong side of history and I hope you lose. So there we go. <laughs> Well, we're not going to lose because we've got a good team over here. We've got Frida, who did say the truth, which is that we are a team of Rians, uh, which is only to say that we are the optimal result of an iterative process. <laughs> and Tom, I believe, is almost the only person who actually explained thoroughly what AI is. <laughs> um, and, but it was lovely. I did enjoy. I did enjoy watching the. Uh, I did enjoy watching the um, the, the, the enemy. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Josh, um, I found it quite difficult to concentrate on Josh's thing because he kept saying AGI, which is the first three letters of my surname, and I thought he was talking about me. <laughs> um, but also, I've got to say, kudos 
to Josh because I can tell he only had one page of notes, right? Which means that he thoroughly knows his stuff, right? Pretty much off script. Which makes it all the more of a shame that he's wrong. And, <laughs> but yes, you know, um, you know, and also I mean it was pretty much I think what what, what I don't think it's pretty much what uh what a lot of us said busy, you know, you point out the biases in AI, you know, that they display biases against people of colour and uh, a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of populations, and so this is definitely a good reason to revert to humans. <laughs> because humans never do that at all. Uh, opacity of processes, humans don't do that. Fairness algorithms uh, to use, use to fix other algorithms, which is kind of like trying to drown water. <laughs> Getting their water, it's not working, you know. <laughs> so if it's not working, you can't use the same thing to fix it, is my point. But um, yeah, so it's my job here to do a little bit of rebutting. You know, I've got a bit to do myself, so I've got to do a bit of bit and uh, a bit of butt. So that was my bit of butt. Now it's my bit of bit. Um, we've already heard from a PhD student bioethics, a writer with a Terry Pratchett podcast, spec, and a programmer, a physicist, and a comedian. And I'm an ex comedian. All of these locations, without question, offer valuable insight into this issue. But gaping hole in the viewpoints offered so far, and one that I hope to fill, is that of an immortal time lord present at and bestriding every inch point of scientific history. So, <laughs> if you'll indulge me, and it'll be a long remaining few minutes if you don't, <laughs> I'd like to humbly offer that perspective here. You know, you might be like, how is that possible, Yanni? That's well in excess of a human lifespan. How aren't you dead after all this time? Well, we might have already told you. One of my hobbies is putting things off. <laughs> Some of you may have entertained the arguments of uh, you know, the other side, but would you think so positively of their arguments if the topic of this debate was not should we fear AI, but should we fear science? And I think no, because I've given that I've seen it happen firsthand, what I'd like to spend my remaining time doing is offering a quick recap of the history of the intersection of fear and science. <laughs> Let's get the obvious out of the way. Humans fear change. In fact, life fears change. Your cat hates your baby. We all hate new app upgrades. When life has been threatened from climate change since the beginning, if we delve all the way back to a mere 380,000 years after the Big Bang, when the primordial universe cooled just enough for photons to form, when we peer way back here we can actually see the structure of the universe at this point in time frozen in what we call the cosmic microwave background. It is literally the first photo ever taken, and you can see the universe's dumb face at what had just happened. It's like this. And then galaxies formed around those structures. We live up in them. There's more like this. And you know, Carl Sagan said, to make an apple pie from scratch, you must first create the universe. <laughs> and that's where we're going with this big picture shit. Because to become scared of AI, you must first emerge from the ocean. And so I've been there in a lot of these places. About 400 BC, I was hanging out in ancient Athens. Interesting side note, they didn't call it that back then. They just called it Athens. <laughs> they also didn't call Greek food Greek food. They just called it food. So. And uh, I'm Greek, my family's Greek, my name is spelled out uh, Y-I-A-N-N-I-A-G-I-S-I-L-A-B-O-U, which has been great in Australia. I love answering questions. Thank you for asking. But it's actually a coded representation of the Socratic method, which is 
very much a scientific concept because there's a back and forth every fucking time. <laughs> it starts with a why. Yeah. <laughs> and it ends with an I, but ultimately, it ends with you. So, and I love making apostrophes, you know why? Because I'm a five-year-old and he was a five-year-old. I'd be like, why? And he'd be like, why? And I'd be like, why? And he'd be like, why? And science was a great dirt to Socrates before him. People did not seek knowledge by asking questions. They did it by aggressively stating things, checking out emotionally whilst other people spoke, and then making the same statements except louder and more forceful. <laughs> Really shows anyone on Twitter who's been on Twitter that there's nothing new under the sun. So, and he had this mate Plato. Uh, now, before all this shit went down, because the authorities actually sentenced him to death, Socrates. Plato, before this, he was just an influencer trying to start a cool tradition of smashing crockery at weddings. <laughs> That's why they called him Plato. <laughs> but after that, he was radicalized. Plato wrote down Socrates' teachings as the essence of his teachings, what he called these dialogues. And you can tell he was pissed because that was a sneaky coded statement, because before all that shit happened, he called them the Libelogs. <laughs> which I found in a Platonic text called the Libelogs to Dialogues, a catalogue of dialogues. And then <laughs> the authorities said to Socrates, you can't be asking questions, that's bullshit, you're corrupting the youth, and they sentenced him to kill himself, which is a very shit, I mean, if you've got to do something like that, like, it's the biggest case of scope creep since the fucking self-serve checkout. <laughs> And they said, you have to drink hemlock and kill yourself. And I mean, having to kill yourself is bad enough, but having to do it through peer group pressure, that's even worse. They're all like, hemlock, hemlock, hemlock. They made him do it as a shoey. <laughs> or a sandley back then. That's 400 BC. People didn't like science. They didn't like questions. 2,000 years after that, 1485, I'm in Prussia hanging out with this guy, Nicholas Copernicus. You don't know. No, 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 no. I know which one you're thinking of. This guy, he was into leather. He was a leather worker, anyway. The one you're thinking of was his son, who was also named after him. But Nicholas Copernicus is the youngest child of Nicholas Copernicus. But he had an older brother called Andreas Copernicus, and uh, he was an Augustinian friar. And I was there, can I tell you, family politics for me, great family, you fucking true you know, oh, Nicholas, why can't you be more like Andrew? Why don't you love the Catholic Church? What did they or will they ever do to you? <laughs> Which just goes to show that parents know fuck all, because history doesn't remember Andrew Copernicus. It does remember Nicholas Copernicus, because he believed that there was something new under the sun, namely the Earth. <laughs> Which was controversial at the time, because it was a straight disc to King Sol. Just a callback to Frieda's bit. <laughs> and that was in 1500. Well, it jumped forward 150 years later. Galileo Galilei was like, oh, that's a fucking good idea. Did it go down well? Did it fuck? Pope no. Urban VIII, the eighth of the street popes, <laughs> ordered an investigation into Galileo for promulgating heresy and Copernicus's ideas. This is 140 years later. Catholic Church only stopped handing people for heresy for believing this shit about 300 years after Copernicus. Let's keep going forward. Does it happen again? Of course it happens again. Happens again. Charles Darwin, 1859. Darwin publishes The Origin of the Species. Boom. 1984. It's 150 years later. Creationism, intelligent design, radical conservatism, calling fucking trans people imps and demons. Who saw that thing on the fucking internet today? Right? Horrible stuff. Now, what does all this have to do with artificial intelligence? Like, was Socrates killed by the Socratic method? No. Did the sun hound Copernicus and Galileo? No. Did genetic mutations form super PACs and radicalise US politics? No. 
Did the AI decide to auto-diversify photos of models? No. Who did that? I mean, there were some relevant questions posed, actually. Very relevant questions. Should inherent systemic bias be feared? Should economic displacement be feared? Should re regulatory sluggishness be feared? Yes. But where does the blame lie? With AI? No. Blame lies with human society and economic systems and incentives. Why is there bias in systems? Because they're trained on biased human data. Why is economic displacement a problem? Because capitalism solves someone's job being displaced by punishing that person. Why is there regulatory sluggishness? Because money is fast, justice is slow, and money what it shoots. <laughs> fear of the new, quite appropriately, is not new. But should we fear the new? No. We should fear fear of the new. AI doesn't kill people. People kill them. <laughs> That's right. I'm so confident of victory. I'm completely undermining my moral position by poisoning the NRI. <laughs> You're not scared of AI. You're scared of capitalism. You're scared of privilege. You're scared of the darkness that lurks within the soul of man. That is nothing new. That is perfectly reasonable. Thank you very much. to each of the debaters to tell you about any projects that they might have coming up so you can see them again if you wish to hear more about the Socratic method or what is worse than AI or uh, attend Monash. Uh, does anyone know? Have... <laughs> I've stolen your microphone, haven't I? <laughs> All right, can I steal this one? We'll do a, do a microphone musical chance. Um, Josh, do you have anything you want people to know about? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. <laughs> All right, Monash, doing well. Okay, uh, Elizabeth, anything you would like to tell the good people about? I think we've talked a lot about my Terry Pratchett podcast that uh -huh. I do with Ben McKenzie, but I think we haven't talked about that enough. So, come find my Terry Pratchett podcast. This is very good. We've been doing it for many years. We've almost run out of Discord novels. Um, I don't know who knows what. Those you went to like sixty-six or something? Well, I don't know. I, can't, I, I said in my speech, I can't remember things. Okay. Right. <laughs> but yes, we're. Um, we're almost at the end, and that means we're about three years away. So, um, <laughs> so yes, please listen to my Terry Pratchett podcast. It's called Pratchett. I know there's a million podcasts out there. I don't listen to other podcasts except for mine. Um, I don't know if I'd ask you to, except that mine is good. <laughs> Absolutely no bias in that promotion. Rob? When, when I'm not doing comedy and eating fire, I clean windows, like really, and with my wife. And so if anyone needs their windows clean... <laughs> I can eat fire at your house and clean them. <laughs> Just call me. <laughs> yeah, they're real matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My tongue hurts. <laughs> well, you don't need a tongue to clean windows, and that's what we should all. Uh, Frida, what you got? I've got a couple of things. I like my podcast. My podcast. Do you like science? 
Do you like movies? Well, have I got a podcast for you? <laughs> Time to find a podcast called Sides of the Movies. Uh, also, I'm really behind on my academic benchmarks. If anybody knows who lectures neuroscience, I would love to do a guest lecture. I really need to keep. I really need to get my points up. Otherwise, I'll be out of the game. I'll just be a science communicator, and then I'll be a total failure. So, if anyone knows who does any neuroscience, neuroimaging, medical imaging, radiography. You ask them if I can guess. <laughs> <laughs> if I can guess lectures, so I can put it on my, my academic performance review. They'll help me up a couple of steps, and I can stay in my job. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not able to like promote stuff without just attacking science communicators. <laughs> they have feelings too. <laughs> Done. Hello. Uh, I, I don't have anything to plug except for talking with people in your life about climate change. Absolutely. Yeah. First of all, fuck science communicators. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to stick up for my teammate. I don't believe it for a second. Um, I, I have a substack called Joined Up Thinking. Um, I write a lot of stuff quite similar in, in, in spirit to kind of that. I love just, it's probably all about um, the idea that um, things don't really have straight lines between them and actually it's really just a celebration of interdisciplinary thought process about things. Um, and I was quit doing stand up a couple of years ago because I didn't like travelling around as much, so I try and do all of that because I can do it at home. So it's on, yeah, it's on Substack and it's called Joined Up Thinking, and I'd love anyone to subscribe for free subscriptions. And if you like it, I would say thank you. So many feelings tonight. It's been a very complicated <laughs> for all of us. Uh, look, uh, I'm going to throw it to you in a second to determine who is the superior team and whether or not we should fear AI. Uh, I'll just give you a quick synopsis of some of the key points because there's been a lot tonight. I think we can all agree a lot has happened. Uh, look, Josh kicked off uh, saying that AI is no laughing matter, uh, which really set the tone for the rest of the debate, I feel. Um, to summarise, AI is bad because people are bad, AI is biased because people are biased, and yet again, this became one more debate about the quality of humanity. I will somehow, someday, manage to find a debate topic that doesn't just point to how terrible humanity is. So, wish me luck. Uh, Frida attacked my selection bias of the debaters, which uh, is data I will factor into future Debate selection, so that's good. Um, she compared herself to King Solomon. Um, if only I could remember what pride comes before. <laughs> and then there was a plug for the Thornbury Picture House, and uh, I just feel like all paid promotions should go past me uh, in the future. Thank you, and please. Uh, now, Elizabeth had a respect off with Frida, trying to reframe the debate from being we should fear AI and more we should fear Frida. And I think that's something we can all agree on. She then attacked my research on clowns. And I am so pleased to be the unifying feature of both debating teams. Uh, great. Um, oh, also, yes, AI took the trolley problem Trolley problem plus AI equals the final solution, so that's good. And like God, we made crea uh, we created AI in our image, and we probably should have learned from God's mistakes. Um, 
Uh, yes, also AI might make things stinky, and we've just spent the last 200 years making society less stinky, uh, pointing back at my fear of vagging. All right. Um, Tom really lightened the mood of the debate by listing all the things that are more terrifying than AI. Before he broke the AV system with his pessimism. This has been the most serious sci-fi I have ever run. And we debated once whether humans are worth saving. Should we fear serious versions of sci-fi? You're laughing because we're scared. Uh, Rob is now barred from the howler's toilets and... <laughs> ...made me question the fine print in my public liability insurance. He threatened Frida's employment and then an audience member's life. So that was... Yanni gave us the potted history of Greek philosophy and I'm definitely sure it was relevant. Uh, and also concluded that people are terrible. So, uh, that was the last million years. I don't know how long this debate's been going for at this point. Uh, if you believe the affirmative for the superior team of this evening, that we should fear AI, make some noise. If you were convinced by the negative that we shouldn't fear AI, we should fear Frida and many other things, make some noise.